At Total Wine & More, find the best gifts for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for sis or a single-barrel bourbon that dad will love. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly. Be 21. Where can you find the best gifts at great low prices that everyone will love? At Total Wine & More, of course, with so many great bottles to choose from. Find something for everyone on your list, whether it's a Cabernet for your sis, sparkling wine for a coworker, or a single barrel bourbon for dad. And if you need any help, just ask one of their friendly guides for advice. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly, B21. Macaroni salad where it's like tenuously held together with like pasta. Like, oh God. Mayo on all kinds of things. Saltines, rice, just out of the jar. Crickets. I'm going to go with ham. Bamboo worms. We'll eat cow ass and we'll eat, we'll eat pig ass. Tomato-based sauce with a semi-ripe banana on the side. Dried lemon rinds. Marmite on pasta. Hi, and welcome to Burt Toast from Food52.com, a podcast about what we all talk about around the stove at the water cooler, in the office. It's what doesn't make it on the website, but what we're all talking about otherwise. I'm Amanda Hesser, one of the co-founders of Food52, and I'm here with our managing editor, Kenzie Wilbur. Hi. Joining us today is also Allison Robicelli, owner of Robicelli's, and also the author of the cookbook, Robicelli's, A Love Story with Cupcakes. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you here. I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> and today, we're going to talk about Weird food. To kick this off, I brought in some weird food, um, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take it's a it's a peanut butter and kimchi sandwich. Um, I'm sorry if this is gonna smell kind of weird. It might. I have no problem with this. Um, I I smell it already. Can you smell it? <laughs> I'm, I'm just feeling a little nausea. That's all. Wow! Wow! <laughs> you too. It's, it's so strong. Ooh, ooh yeah. Okay. That's not. Um, are you guys going to eat this with me? That's not 11 a.m. food. You're not um, going to eat this with me? I'll try um, it. Yeah, okay, so, it so, we, so we heard about this sandwich called the Elsie, served at this restaurant. I'm just in, starting. In, I'm just not waiting for get you. Get in there. Get what in kind there. of peanut butter is this, by the way, to be like really pretentious? Like, is this artisan? It's like artisan, you know, $12 Brooklyn peanut butter. Oh, Jesus. Is that okay? Uh, I guess if I have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, we heard about the sandwich called the Elsie, which is bacon, peanut butter, mayo, American cheese, and eggs. And it just made us wonder, you know, what else do people eat peanut butter with? Um, so we asked our readers. We asked our friends. This is very good. It's good, it's right? Very good. Um, so the answer is a lot. People eat peanut butter with a lot of stuff. Um, and so we did this giant taste test, and this was actually one of the best ones. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Amanda? I'm a convert. You are? Mm-hmm. So okay, so the thing is, like, it's you like needed peanut dipping sauce, right? Yeah, you need bread around it. You needed something like kind of a, the best ones were the most aggressive ones. So like peanut butter and kimchi, peanut butter, mayo, dill pickle, and and cheese. Which if you close your eyes and put in and you forget what you just put in your mouth is actually like awesome. When I was a kid, um, I went to this day camp in Brooklyn, and uh, you know, again, we're like, you know, this isn't like some private school day camp. You know, we we ate what we got for for snack time, and for some reason, uh, peanut butter, cheese, mustard, and bologna got really popular. Like you know, when you're a kid, you're gonna do whatever everybody else is. Yeah. Um. So bologna was like a special occasion meat. Like we only got like <laughs> bologna like a couple times a summer. So peanut butter and cheese and mustard, 
was like the de facto sandwich, and I still eat it. You was know, it like French's mustard or yeah, well, oh. I mean, cheap mustard. It's like store brand mustard yep, and yep. peanut butter and American cheese, and it is it like I love it. Well, those kind of combinations sort of like defy the artist in Brooklyn peanut butter, right? You have to have like French's mustard and like Jif and the, the secret when you're when you're going to make any peanut butter sandwich is fry it on both sides so the peanut butter gets melty smart and i mean you could put you could put whatever you want i mean peanut butter is uh, and peanuts in general just they're used as a savory mm-hmm. ingredient all over the world and they're used as a protein source all over the world i mean i mean think about like african cuisine um you know i mean god an african peanut soup is really like one of my favorite things ever and it comes together in like five minutes mm-hmm. so you could put like grilled chicken peanut butter maybe like some like layered potatoes a couple of greens maybe some spinach griddle that up boom sandwich there you go yeah yeah i mean but it's also a, it's a super strong flavor we tried it on saltines and dipped in tomato soup one of our readers told us to do this um it was just slimy peanut butter crackers mm-hmm. um i mean every peanut butter makes everything else taste like peanut butter peanut butter is a you know, special time of the month lady food. Um, just, I'm not even going to shy away from that. Like how often I, I find myself crying at 2 a.m. eating peanut butter out of a jar going, this is the best thing ever. So, um, yeah, I mean, you'll you'll wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning like, I need something to put on this peanut butter. So, yeah, why not put peanut butter and sriracha and kimchi and leftover coleslaw together? Like, why? at that point, you just, like, you don't care. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, so, well, let's talk about some of the weirdest foods that, that you guys have eaten before. Um, and, and peanut butter or no? Um, you know, it, it's, it's weird for me to figure out or qualify what's weird food. Yeah. Um, cause things that are like, again, things that are weird to me, uh, you know, I grew up in New York, I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, and I'm very fortunate that. I grew up in a very eclectic part of Brooklyn where, you know, like my best friend's Cantonese. My other best friend moved here from Korea when she was six. So, like, kimchi is is very, very normal to me. Um, but Jello's weird, you know? Like, the weirdest thing I guess I grew up with is uh, something called gabuzel, which is, like, pretty much a, a calf's head. And I uh, I can't eat a lot of offal as an adult because it sucked so bad. And it's like, yeah, like awful is like that thing that you didn't enjoy eating. Like you had to eat because it was like it was this or nothing. So when awful got trendy in the past 10 years, like people are like, oh, this tripe is a revelation. I'm like, oh, oh, no. You're oh, like, no. no. Throw these sweetbreads. I'm like, you are lying to yourself and to everybody else here <laughs> because you want to look cool. I'm like, that is crap. Like that is just, that is just awful. Bottom of the barrel. No. Yeah, that is just, oh, God. And I'm like, I'm not really? even going to. You haven't pre- come around on like pig's head? No. No. Um, I'll eat cheeks and ears and stuff like that. But like, you know, and I've tried. I'm like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to have like the tongue and I'm going to do this and I'm going to be popular like all the other foodies who are sticking all sorts of weird parts of the face in their mouths. And it tastes like, a, you know, somebody was licking a barnyard floor. And I'm like, you know what? No, I'm just owning this. I don't like it. I'll eat I'll eat other weird stuff. Um, but no, I'm not. I'm not touching awful. I can't. I, kind of, I draw the line at tongue. In fact, mine was was going to be tongue. It was duck tongue, mm-hmm. which I actually had. Now this is going to sound super snobby, uh-huh. but it, I only went there once. Um, <laughs> but it was at El Bulli. Okay. And uh, and actually, like you know, that's a place that sort of celebrates weird food, right? Well, it's got that little bone in it, which makes it weird too. I like, don't duck remember tongue? the bone. I think like I think I kind of blocked out a lot of it. You from blocked my out memory. the bone. <laughs> it was well, I blocked out. I just remember this like plate of these little tongues, just all lined up in this very neat fashion. Like you would expect at a three-star restaurant. And, you know, you're just – I was there with a bunch of food people, and it was like there was no way I was going to pass on the duck tongue. I was going to be the one who passed on the duck tongue. So I just, like, downed it. I remember – 
being four year old and uh, eating brains. And I can still, I'm 34 now, so this is 30 years. I can still taste them in my head. Like, you know when you have such a bad experience that you remember it? And, like, I can sit here right now and bring that back. And I'm like, oh, God, that was terrible, you know? Yeah, but I feel like you, like, not not all childhood. Yeah. Like, foods like that. Like mud. Like, scar you for for life. Like, an oyster. I do remember exactly when I had my first raw oyster. It was on the Jersey Shore at a mm-hmm. town called Spring Lake. And I got this thing in my mouth, and I was just like, I don't know what to do next. <laughs> yeah. like, and I was a guest of my friends, and so I was like, do I run to the bathroom? I love that so moment I, of, like, do I chew this? Do yeah. I swallow it? It like, felt like an hour that I was sitting there trying to decide what to do. Um, but it was probably, like, you know, 30 seconds. Of, I remember of the first torture. time I ate an oyster so well because I, I completely made a spectacle of myself. Um, so I was with my best friend. And we were up in Boston. And we went to, like, one of those super old oyster houses by Quincy Market. And I'm like, I really want to try these. And, like, I know they're going to be, like, cheap up in Boston. So, like, my poor college student uh, could, like, afford it. And I shot it. And I just – I started giggling and like clapping my hands like I, I like I am I don't know if I'm like the worst or the most fun person to eat with ever because when I get like really excited like I will start jumping up and down and like dancing in my seat and Telly is like what's up and I'm like it's like making out but with food and I'm like I'm just like literally like jumping up and down like waving my arms and everybody at this table it's like a, these big communal tables they're like laughing at me and um, and Telly is like you know with his head like oh god I can't be seen with this person. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? If you're not going to get that excited about oysters, you know, you just pay 24 bucks for them. I want to bring up that point that you you started with about you know, what constitutes weird food, mm-hmm. um, because it means so many different things to so many people. I mean, we we basically pulled the internet. You know, mm-hmm. what's the weirdest dish that you secretly love? What's the weirdest thing that you've eaten? And it's the internet. Like you have a screen separating you and the answer. Mm-hmm. Just no holds barred. Give me the weirdest stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got like, have you ever tried carrots and peanut butter? It's like, what? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's not weird. Um, so, I mean, I mean, answers were all over the place. So what like what does it mean for food to be weird? Mm-hmm. I think I think once you've been pregnant, once your threshold of what's weird goes like, you know, you, you hear those stereotypical things about um, pickles and ice cream. Mm hmm. You know, but then you're like, oh, wait, you know, that's briny and sweet. I wouldn't I wouldn't eat that regularly. But sometimes, like, your body is craving certain things and it's telling you to do certain things. So, like, it's not like, okay, go out and eat, like, you know, like something stomach. But you're like, you need something sweet and sour and whatever all at the same time and at 3 o'clock in the morning. And this is what you have in your house. So I think a lot of weird combinations sometimes come from complete desperation. I feel like you have a lot going on in the middle of the night. Oh, Oh, a lot of – yeah. Like last night my kid woke up hysterical crying because like, you know, he wanted to stay up at 3 o'clock in the morning and I wasn't letting him. So I'm like, oh, well, I should eat some peanut butter while I'm up, you know. (laughs) This is logical. So I think there are a couple of different camps of weird food. There's like this nostalgic weird food, you know, uh-huh. the pig head. Um, but there's also this weird food, you know, for desperation's sake. Like mm-hmm. you get home, it's 2 a.m., you're like kind of tipsy, you're really hungry, you have nothing in your fridge, or just like the entire state of being in college. Um, and this is sort <laughs> of self-serving because I really want to know what Amanda Hesser ate in college. What was your college dorm food? In college, I was. I remember we used to drink a lot of this. Do you remember? It was like it comes in like a little rectangular, like tin um, container. It's not Swiss Miss. It was had another name. The International Delight Coffee. 
Yes. Is that what it was? Yes. Because yes. you and remember we, those commercials when you were a kid that made them look like super classy people? Yeah. They're like, do you want some Cafe Vienna after dinner? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish we were still in Vienna. Me too. Here, this will take you back. Mmm. Chocolate. This reminds me of the coffee that we had. Tonight. New Viennese Chocolate Cafe. Rich coffee with a touch of luscious chocolate. That was my favorite night in Vienna. But we never went out. Celebrate the moment. <laughs> yes, I want one of those, like, cappuccinos in a can. We used to stock up a lot of that in our dorm room. I do remember that. I'm going to sound like such a nerd here. Um, I don't understand, like, a lot of convenience foods. And I don't understand, like, the rest of the country. Like, I'd go to, like, my best friend's house and he'd be like, oh, you know, we picked up some roast pork at the Chinese bakery and the the rice cooker is always on. And, like, we just, like, make ourselves little bowls of, like, whatever we had lying around the house. Like, you know, um, like, stir-fried mushrooms and stuff. And we just sit there and, like, we eat it and, like, you know, watch MTV. You know? (laughs) So, like, the idea of of eating anything out of a can with a a meatball. I've used the finger quotes a lot. You are. here, you, are. you know, it's, like, it's I need a little for me. Like I need a little buzzer or something. Like she's doing the finger quotes on the radio. Now. Um, but yeah, if like there's something uh, that's a meat that's coming out of a can in a ball form, I feel like you should just generally stay away from that. Like that's just I I, I shouldn't have to tell you that that's a poor decision. Good to avoid <laughs> yeah. at all costs. I feel like the the weird food I remember from when I was young was more before college. Like when I was like probably eight or ten. Like for some reason, I loved chewing on raw elbow macaroni. I love that, too. Oh, I love that now. And then you can, like, kind of press it into shapes in your mouth. Yeah. And then it's, yeah. I, uh, it's, it's kind of <laughs> scary satisfying. I There's still, something... at this point, like, I like my pasta super, super al dente to yes. the point where sometimes it's, like, probably technically raw. Um as my sister and I, uh, we used to take like spaghetti or like linguine when we were kids, and we'd pretend that we were farmers. And like you know, in our in our heads, <laughs> farmers always had like that weed in their mouth, whatever the hell that yeah, is. Yeah, like a piece of straw. Yeah, That's so the Brooklyn version. Yeah, exactly. So we chew on it. We're like, we're farmers. Look at us. Um, but yeah, no. And you you develop a taste for like really weird things when you're a kid that are just like like super comforting comforting to you. Mm-hmm. So like I like like raw macaroni. I like I love idiosyncratic food. Um, like when my grandmother would make lasagna, that that piece in the corner that burns, yes, and you know the part that's of the best. Yes, that's the best part. That's the best part. And you're not going to go write a recipe on Food Fifty Two where you're like, leave this in the oven way too long, or like take these green beans and boil the crap out of them until they're like practically mush. But like those, little... well, we might actually. Yeah. <laughs> we, we would do that. And yeah. I think yeah. we should. Well, um, I, I worked in France, and we used to. Um, uh, I worked for Anne Willen, who's uh, you know. Uh, own La Varenne and has written lots of French cookbooks. But actually, one of her favorite dishes was to, um, which I thought was very weird when I uh, first started working for her, but then fell in love with it, was you take, you blanch green beans, and then you get, you um, heat a wok um, with a ton of butter and uh, put the green beans in there and then just cook them and cook them and cook them until they're basically like blackened and brown and like comfy wow, with butter. Wow, that sounds so good. Um, which you would never, it's something you would never think is okay to do with a green bean. Yeah. Um, and I think if you closed your eyes and ate them, you wouldn't know what they were exactly, but they're fantastic. You know, and again, I think that comes to to personal preference. It's like, how do you, like, uh, like, I wish somebody out there, honestly, would figure out a way to deliver me a pizza that's actually just burnt cheese stuck to the box. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know? Like, if somebody could figure out, like, Domino's, a box of 
cheese stuck to cardboard. I would buy that like every day. But... Or like those little bits that get stuck in the bottom of a pan after roasting chicken. Yes. Like yes. just sell those. Yes. Just those. Or like yeah. um like Love chicken that. butt. Like it's like burnt ends of chicken. Yeah, yeah, chicken butt is the best. Like um I always I'm and I'm making this tonight and I'm so stoked for this. Uh, making like two roast chickens and Right before you carve it in the kitchen, you just pull up that like little tail end of the butt that's just really like fat and crispy skin. And it's like me and my oldest son is like our secret. I'm like, Atticus, chicken butt. Chicken butt. <laughs> <laughs> he like runs in and we're like, nobody you know, gotta know. Because it sounds weird when you're saying it, but like you'll eat you'll eat pig butt, like that's what ham is. So totally. like that little piece of chicken butt is like so freaking good. And you it's don't like, see that on the menu, like chicken asses. <laughs> You it's know? like the new age oyster of the chicken. It's yes. like the new mm-hmm. cook's treat. Yeah, so like you go Nobody a little knows south, about oyster anymore, I feel really? like. No, yeah. everyone knows about oyster. Really? I don't Everybody. think they do. I feel like people are always leaving it on the cutting board and then I snag it. No, well, we shouldn't tell them. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't. I had read that about 75% of the chicken legs and the chicken back quarters that are made in America are actually exported to Russia because nobody in America eats them. And I'm like, that is just such a bad call on our part because that's the best part of the chicken. Yeah. Uh, but everybody, like, you know, they love white meat, which has no flavor and it always dries out. And even McDonald's said that when they uh, they switch to all white meat chicken, they're like, I think they started selling like 300% more or something, like hmm. something insane like that. And I was like, what, like, did people think it was healthier? Uh, like, I think chicken nuggets are a lot weirder than, like, chicken butts. Chicken butts are good. So uh, now that now that we've had this podcast, I'm waiting for chicken butts to go on the menu somewhere, like like a trio of chicken butt. <laughs> they will. You, you heard it here first. Here, yes, the chicken butt tasting, the chicken butt flight. Chicken butts of 2015. <laughs> Andrew Nolan, take note. Yes. <laughs> All right, I want to talk about one that's kind of weird food. And that's the that's the weird food that like I think you know in my opinion sort of exists to to be shocking. Uh-huh. It exists to like form like really long lines in Brooklyn about. Um, so the you know the Humphrey Slocum ice creams, for example, um, that like that kind of stuff. There's a they make a strawberry black olive ice cream that's sort of controversial. You know, some people love it, some people hate it. But like my question is, what's the point? of putting black olives in strawberry ice cream. And is is that good weird? Are we cool with that? How do we feel about people just, like, kind of pushing that boundary? Yeah, very honestly, from from the chef's perspective, and and as crappy as this is, the past couple of years, nobody's going to write about you unless you put, like, like black olives or, or, you know, rusty nails or something in your food. It's uh, It's ridiculous. I mean, and that's why, like, Last summer, we started coming up with very intentionally sat- satirical food just to kind of make fun of that trend. And then one of those trends did end up going viral. And it was very <laughs> – it was kind of really emotionally awkward for us because it's like, well, it's satire becoming the thing. It's satirizing. So what was it? It was the Nutella lasagna. Yep. I was just going to ask. Yeah. yeah. And it was um, – like over the summer, we had just – come up with an idea of, of doing like we, we called it jump the shark summer and we had a big whiteboard and we wrote blank is the new cupcake because like that's that's the, the standard that's like cupcakes are the color black yes so you'll see that every three months like what was what was this year uh last month rugula was the new cupcake and uh, bone broth was the new cupcake and i heard that bone broth is now over Somebody on Twitter yesterday was recommending matcha bone broth. Yeah, as the next trend. Yeah, <laughs> can we just combine all of them into <laughs> yeah. like, like this disgusting stock? We used to have like a trend cycle of like a year or two, and and, and I'm not even going to get into the fact that I think 
food trends are ridiculous and disrespectful to food to begin with. So anyway, we had this board. It was blank as the new cupcake, and we just started filling it in with everything. And it really came down to the last two letters of Nutella were L.A., and the first two letters of lasagna (laughs) were L.A. And we're like, we could put these together, and it would be ridiculous. Can you describe it for us? It's uh, We take lasagna noodles, and then we... um, brush them with like a brown butter that we've infused with orange zest and so we did that and then we made like a like a cannoli cheesecakey custard to be like the regatta part and then we take Nutella and then we make a, a ganache out of it so there's your tomato sauce you you sprinkle it on you drizzle it and then instead of parmesan you roast hazelnuts and you sprinkle it over and you do it like five layers and then everybody else is like now it needs to be kind of sweet so we made a layer of we I took, think it definitely sounds like it needs a little something more I'm not a, a sweets person at all I'm like kind of more creamy savory so we made a layer of homemade marshmallow on top but then we burnt wow. it so it would have wow. like the toastiness like that again the burnt lasagna adding dimension to your satire yes <laughs> so uh and then but then it, it like it went viral in december like it happened in august but we had decided to put on the christmas menu because it was like people kept asking for it and Literally, I tweet, I'm like, hey, it's coming back. But the next thing I'm getting, like, calls all over the world. And, like, I've got lines out the door at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, I mean, we've kind of created this culture where, like, you know, we got to get the next big thing. And we got to get the next big Mm -hmm. thing. And, like, we have to keep topping the next guy or the last guy. And and that's ridiculous to me as a chef. Like, I just, you know, if I'm putting things together, and I do put a lot of weird stuff together, but it's it, it comes from a place of... Making good food on your on your on your journey to Nutella's lasagna, mm-hmm. were there were there things that you tried that were just like, what are we doing? Like, no, this is a fail. We can't <laughs> do this. We yeah, I mean, like we could always come up with a recipe and like tweak it to the point where we think it works. Um, there, <laughs> I think the worst thing that that we did, uh, we were doing a banana Nutella sticky bun, and we. I took a caramel recipe from a pretty, not, I guess, a super well-known cookbook, but like a Brooklyn cookbook for like a chocolate caramel. And it was like the worst thing we'd ever taste. And we just literally, we took the pan, we threw it in the garbage and we're like, we never looked back. We're like, we don't even want to try this again. (laughs) We we don't want to do it. But like, you know, I mean, where's that line between making a good dessert with like interesting ingredients? And like, you know, I saw... Uh, like a green tea molten chocolate cake on the internet the other day, which sounds really good. That's just using, that's just cooking. How, I, I know, but, the, that. but then people are going to be like, oh, it's a hybridization between green tea and chocolate. Like, no, it's a freaking cake. You know, get over it. It's a cake. Yep. <laughs> Do you ever say that to people? I can picture you. I, just I think like, I have a press it. release on my blog that said, just get over it. I mean, <laughs> good food is good food. Having fun in the kitchen is having fun in the kitchen. You know, let, we just all need to kind of like calm down mm-hmm. a bit. You know, I mean, I have no problem with hybridization, but if you're like, I I mean, let's just think about this realistically. Black olives do not go with strawberries. Black olives have a very, very strong flavor and strawberries are very, very delicate. Um, Strawberries have a delicate but like kind of a pungency flavor and you know they're going to get wiped out by you know, the olive flavor. Well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with you, though, because I sort of feel like strawberries and balsamic are a pretty classic combo, yeah. right? And balsamic vinegar, if it's really good, it's, like, mm-hmm. very intense and has its own p- pungency, right? And so I feel like, which is offset by mm-hmm. the strawberries, right? I think if you were going to do, like, think... a strawberry salad, though, that might be different. Like, if you had, like, the yeah. ratio of, like, 90% strawberries to, like, a tiny little bit of olive, that's one thing. But if you have the ice cream, that's, you know. So so Melissa Clark reviewed this book in The Piglet, the Humphrey Slocomb book, which has the, the strawberry and olive ice cream. Um, and she actually, she found it addictive. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I think you and her would um, 
you would line up. Um, <laughs> but Slate also wrote a piece about, you know, the number of ways that you can ruin ice cream because we've seen this huge boom of artisanal ice cream books mm-hmm. um, that have things like strawberry and olive ice cream mm-hmm. and just like wacky stuff. Um, and <laughs> this quote is really good. This is what they said. Um, the olive seemed more a deliberate defiling of strawberry than a thoughtful enhancement, like declaring one's individuality by getting a really ugly tattoo on the neck. Worse yet, the <laughs> tasting panel was unshocked. Black olives and strawberry ice cream are just kind of stupid. So th- there's a, there's this idea of like if we're gonna if we're gonna be weird, we may as yeah. well go big. So if we're gonna get weird, we may as well shock uh, our audience. I, I get that. I mean, I, the opening line of my book was uh, "There's a fine line between clever and stupid," mm-hmm. which is Spinal Tap. And I think yes. that's what we're all trying to do in a lot of ways is, like, kind of ride that line. Um, but, I mean, I definitely see that from a lot of uh, companies where you don't have chefs necessarily around them. Like, there's a lot, there's been a lot of crash and burn artisan food companies in Brooklyn. Yes. Like, people who just wanted to piggyback on the whole thing and, like, not know what was going on. Um, and, you know, it's funny. Max and Mina's never comes into this conversation. They've been in Queens, like, forever. Like, they've been doing garlic ice cream and like maybe 40, 50 years, these people. And you'd always see them on like, oh, those weird food things. But it was kind of like, there was a freak show sort of quality to them. It was like, oh, you came for this really great rocky road, but like, try this, try this garlic one. You know, it was like a feat of strength in a way. Is the next act for you going to be an ice cream shop? Oh, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I, I, you know, I'd, (laughs) I'd like to open up like a storefront in Manhattan, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, I'd love to open up an ice cream shop. I'd love to have another sandwich shop. God, I had a sandwich shop, and the sandwiches were so good. But um, well, We've got a great new recipe for you. We do, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome to this peanut butter and kimchi sandwich recipe. It's just like, yeah, call it the Kenzie TM. Uh, is, it, is it peanut butter just with kimchi on it? That's it. There we go. There That's we go. it. you got to keep it simple. Um, this podcast brought to you by peanut butter. Yes. <laughs> who's, who's our sponsor? That'll do it for today. Thanks so much for coming in, Allison. Thanks for having me. Great to see you. It's fun to talk to you. I love your sandwiches. Anytime. If you have any weird food stories or pictures, we'd love to know about them. So Instagram them and hashtag them with the name of our podcast, Burnt Toast. That's B-U-R-N-T-T-O-A-S-T. And we're going to regram our favorites. Our producer is Henry Malofsky. Thank you also to Kevin Plesner. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter address is at food52. That's food52. And you can email us at editors at food52.com. If you like the show, tell everyone you know and subscribe to us on iTunes. This podcast is part of the Panoply Network. Check out our entire roster of podcasts at itunes.com slash panoply. That's P-A-N-O-P-L-Y. You reach for the top olive oils and invest in the best pans. But in the kitchen, how well do you care for your greatest tool, your hands? When mine take a beat in cooking and cleaning, which is often, I use Bag Bomb to work its wonders on my poor, distressed skin. Created 125 years ago on a Vermont dairy farm, their soaps smell great in clean hands without stripping moisture, and their fast-absorbing lotion means I can quickly get back to cooking. Treat your hardworking hands to Bag Bomb, every chef's best friend. Use code FOOD52 for 20% off your order on bagbomb.com. Good through 2024.